0: Thanks for listening, come back often, and feel free to add this podcast to your favorite podcast app or to iTunes. Now let's get to this week's lesson. Good morning, everybody. So let's start this morning with our scripture memory review, which... Now, when you, when you think about levels of difficulty, <clears throat> today is right up there with Jesus wept, all right? So, um, so, as, so as not to make this take uh, 15 minutes this morning, going around one by one, what I would like is one lead at each table, and uh, if you want to participate, I went to Lifeway yesterday and basically bought everything they had, and uh, if you'd like to participate, then uh, you can say your verse to that lead at that table. And that lead will dismiss you to the table in the center. So, Miss Shannon, can you serve as our lead for this table? Mr. Bandy? Mr. Arnold? Skip, you got it? I'm putting Carrie in charge over here because there's no way Justin's going to be in charge. Yeah. Mitch, you got it? Awesome. Sean? You got it? Oh, you, you've already elected a leader. That's awesome. Ms. Colleen? You got it? Awesome? No, 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 no. You, You need to be in charge of this table. Absolutely, awesome, cool. So, if you want to go ahead and say John three sixteen to your table lead, outstanding. Did you get to say it? You didn't say John three sixteen. We'll say John three sixteen. Got this. Yes. Excellent, fantastic. Thank you, sir. High pressure here this morning, high pressure. All right, so we're in uh, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. Uh, today is uh, part 5, chapter 36. So we're about page 720-ish or so out of the big book. Uh, we're looking at justification, which is the right legal standing before God. So I would talk for several weeks now. This is week 6 in this particular part uh, about that there's an order to the salvation process. Uh, And we've looked at common grace, the list on your handout there. Uh, We've looked at predestination, we've looked at uh, election and calling. Uh, We've looked at regeneration, this being born again, conversion. Uh, This was last week, the the single movement of turning from sin, repentance, and to faith in Christ. Uh, And that's kind of where we left it last week. So I need... I need sin and Jesus again. If I could have sin and Jesus come back up. Um, y'all remember we did this last week, sin and Jesus? Who is sin? Who is sin? I felt like... It was a man. It was a man. It was Gabe. Gabe was sin and Gabe's not here. So I need sin. Mr. Bandy? Awesome. And Barbara was Jesus and... Je- so sin and Jesus have left the building. So, um, And I'm only comfortable with one of those. So so, we need, so sin was over here. And then Jesus, who can I get for Jesus. Come on in the to Jesus. There we go. All right. Excellent. So come a little closer. Because where we, where we started last week was I'm all up in my friend sin here, right? And we're just... Oh, that's a little tight. Okay. That's good. That's the way sin is, though. I know it is, isn't it? Yeah. But I need to breathe. So there we go. Awesome. <laughs> this shirt's snug enough. <laughs> so, so the repentance and faith, the, this idea of conversion is I'm going to convert from sin to Christ. So now, I am walking toward Christ. Now, the problem is that we haven't dealt with this yet. This is still here. So at conversion, even though I have rejected sin and am turning to Christ in faith, we haven't dealt with this. And today, justification deals with this, because we can't just turn our back on it. This has to be dealt with. Now, the good thing is, Jesus is facing me, right? Which is really shockingly... Like, wow. And I've got my back to sin, so who's got their eye on sin? Jesus. He's going to be the one who takes care of it. So let's look at that today. Have a seat, guys. <laughs> so here's your, here's your first couple of blanks. So justification justification is an instantaneous legal, legal act of God in which He, th- one, thinks of our sins as forgiven and Christ's righteousness as belonging to us. So it's a legal act, and Christ's righteousness belongs to us, and He declares us to be righteous in His sight. Now, sometimes I teach Sunday school lessons that are very, very specific to a text, and we stay in that text, and sometimes we teach very large, grand concepts. This topic, justification, is the reason there was a Reformation. Okay, So the reason that Protestants protested against what the Roman Catholic Church was teaching is justification. So I'll talk a little bit about that as we go through, but this is what Martin Luther realized in the justification by faith alone and became a Christian and then started a movement that uh, was really neat. So... Let's look at point A. Justification includes a legal declaration by God. So Luke 7.29. we look at the way the word is used for a little bit, and then we'll kind of get into how it's specifically applied to salvation uh, in particular. So Luke 7.29. Stacey, you got it? Yep. When I heard this, all the people, even the tax collectors, agreed that God's way... So they had been baptized by John. Ooh, I like that. They agreed that God's way was right. Is there a word in that verse in somebody else's translation? Acknowledged. They acknowledged. Anybody else? Yes. They justified. The word is actually the word the recorded for justified. They justified God. And your translation said they acknowledged that God was right. And, and that is what the word justify means. It means, uh, in this definition, because it, uh, I, I think we all recognize that words can have... More than one meaning, right? We, we get this? And, and this is true in, in Greek as well. Uh, so these, these ta- people and the tax collectors did not make God righteous. Do you agree? I mean, that, well, that's kind of crazy. So justification does not make you righteous. It declares that you are righteous. And there's a difference. Sanctification, the topic that we're going to get to in a couple of weeks, is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Justification is a legal declaration. So, Luke 7, 29. And then let's go to Romans 4, 5. And look at who God justifies. Is this one in your... It's in your handout. Yeah, yeah, okay. But to him who does not work but believes on... Him, capital H, so this is God, who justifies the whom? The ungodly. And this is really, really good, right? Because if God only justified the godly, none of us would qualify for that category. What translation is that? Uh, that's the New King James. Oh. I think it is. Bible Gateway told me it was the New King James. So. Is it different from somebody's New King James? No? That's New King James? You got it? Okay. So who does the justifying? Oh, that was weak. Who does the justifying? God does the justifying. And who does he justify? Us. The ungodly. So you have to be in the ungodly category to get justified. And justification is a declaration that says someone is right or righteous all right, so, so where does He do this? So B is God declares us to be just in His sight. So now we're, we're just going to camp out in Romans for a while. So you've got a physical copy of the Bible, we're just going to be in Romans for a while. So Romans 3.20. Romans 3.20. Who's got it? You got it? Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in His sight. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So does the law justify us? Nope. So I'm to ask it in. Does the law justify us? <coughs> Absolutely not. The law does not justify us. The law does not make us right in God's eyes. So let's skip down a couple of verses to verse 28. For we maintain that a man is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Which is very helpful, right? Okay, so, so that turning to Christ is faith. So that turning is part of the justification, it kicks off the justification process, which is why it is there in the order that it's in. And then flip a page over, Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Alright, so were we, at, were we at peace with God while we are sinners? No. No. We are we're actually enemies of God because we are revolting against what he wants. So if we are at peace with someone, is that a good relationship? Is that a bad relationship? It's a good relationship. Okay? So if we're at peace, what kind of penalty is somebody going to hold against me if we're at peace? Not. If we're at peace, we're we're good. We're good. So I'm going to give you a quote from Grudem here. In God's legal declaration of justification, he, dispe- he specifically declares that we are just in His sight. We have no penalty to pay for sin, including past, present, and future sins. Then flip over to Romans 8.1. And because of that, there now is what? No condemnation. No condemnation. And there's no condemnation because we are at peace. And we are at peace because God justified. And God justified because of our faith in Christ. All these things are connected. It, 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 salvation is a beautiful set of dominoes that when you kick the first one off, it only gets better from there. More and more and more things just get poured on us and poured on us and poured on us until we are like Christ with God. I don't know how you get any better than that, right? This is a fantastic set of circumstances however I want you to see something this no condemnation only brings us back to even okay so when Adam sinned we got his sin right right and when when God justifies us he dealt with that sin but that's not enough so here's your blank our faith in Christ plus God's declaration equals our forgiveness. So that's how we get forgiven. But forgiveness alone is not enough. Because if we are going to stand in front of God, we must have righteousness. So I want you to think about this from a, um, a negative number. In a, I don't know how to explain it to using numbers, so you're going to get math today. So you got, we're going to have this side of the room is sin. Okay? Yep. sorry, y'all are sinners. <laughs> all represents sin. So Christ's forgiveness brings you to a state of we're even. Okay? We're not righteous, but we're not sinners. Sin has been forgiven. The other part of justification is taking what Christ did and giving it to us taking His righteousness and giving it to us so that we go from a state of extreme sinfulness to extreme righteousness. But there's two parts to this. There's the forgiven part and then there's the adding of righteousness part. Does this make sense? All right, so let's cook some spaghetti. You all know how spaghetti works, right? Spaghetti comes in a, it's in a box and in its box format, can you eat Spaghetti. Like you could scrape your tongue and eat spaghetti, but it'd be bad, right? So, so in its box format, not very good. You add water to it, and now you've kind of gotten to an even point. Is it it's like edible. plain, nothing on it but noodles? That's edible. Not as bad as in the box, but anybody want to sign up for that? Not really. But then... But then we add spaghetti sauce. We crack open that bottle of ragu. Mm-mm mm I'm telling you. And I go back to my Andy Griffith and you gotta make sure there's what? Meatballs? Oregano. Come on guys. You haven't seen the Andy Griffith episode where they, they go to they eat like nineteen meals of spaghetti one night and they all add oregano to it and they're so sick of oregano that nothing. You gotta guys watch more Andy Griffith, okay. So it's this idea of we have a problem, we get back to even, and then we add something to it. So this is my big analogy as we go through today. So let's look at Romans 5.19. Romans 5.19. Grudem says, Forgiveness alone only makes us morally neutral before God, which is not having positive righteousness before God. So Romans 5.19, what do we got? For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Excellent. So how do we get into our sin problem? Adam. Adam, Adam got us in. Who dealt with the sin problem? Jesus. Jesus gets us out. The only way Jesus gets you out is if Adam got you in. So if you, if you don't like the, well, I don't like Adam made me a sinner. I don't like that, I, that my truck won't go 90 miles an hour, but it will blow up if I try to go 90 miles an It's just the reality of the universe, right? It is what it is. So, okay. All right. So, C, God can declare us to be just because he imputes Christ's righteousness to us. It's a good theology word here for you, okay? He imputes. Now, when was the last time anybody used the word impute in a conversation? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Nothing? Okay. So I'll give you a a quick definition. It means to reckon or to count. (laughs) Imputes equals reckons or counts. This is a counting terminology is basically what it is. So the the other part of this next equation is that we start with that forgiveness that got us back to nothing, to morally neutral. We add Christ's righteousness and now we get our righteousness. That's your next blank. Our righteousness. Does this make sense? Sin, morally neutral, righteous before God. See, the standard for standing in front of God is ridiculously high. I love Gary's newest quote. Um, He started using it maybe six months ago, that God doesn't draw lines between us. He draws a line above us. It says, "You, you you can't reach that. And the reality is, I can't reach that. But Jesus did. And then he gave his righteousness to me. I don't, I don't get that. But, I'm, but I do get it, right? It's amazing stuff. Absolutely amazing stuff. Now, I want you to read, I want to read you something from, from Gruden here. This is the third time in studying the doctrines of Scripture that we have encountered the idea of imputing guilt or righteousness to someone else. First, when Adam sinned, his guilt was imputed to us. God the Father viewed it as belonging to us, and therefore it did. Second, when Christ suffered and died for our sins, our sin was imputed to Christ. Right? God thought of it as belonging to Christ, to Him, and He paid the penalty for it. Now in the doctrine of justification, we see imputation for the third time. Christ's righteousness is imputed to us, and therefore God thinks of it as belonging to us. So we get into it from Adam... Jesus deals with our sin and then we get his righteousness. Three different parts to it. Now, <clears throat> let's talk about uh, why we are not Catholic. Okay? Let's talk about why we're not Catholic. Has anybody been, did anybody grow up in the Catholic church? Catholic background? Yes? Got one? Anybody else? Doug did? Okay. So did you receive a lot of theological training in your Catholic background? Got yelled, at by the nuns when I asked. got yelled at by the nuns when you asked questions? They said I was being brat. You're being a brat. <laughs> I'm not going to ask that question. All right. um, I can't see a scenario in which you'd be a brat, so that's, just, that's a problem for me. Dude, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> like, back the heck off. <laughs> Um, all right, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read you something here for just a second. So, so the basis for our faith in Christ, is it, is it because of the works that I did that, that I get to be made righteous? Because that's got to have a little bit to do with it, right? I mean, just, just don't, come on. There are days when I'm not too bad. <laughs> Julie's not here. There's nobody that can really object to that. Anna Grace is going to object? Yeah, yeah Okay. Um, so what part of my righteousness, my, my, before Christ imputed righteousness to me, what part of my righteousness comes into this equation? Yeah, I just receive his righteousness. That's the way this works. That's it. I just receive his righteousness. So this is a, good, a couple of other things here. Justification comes to us entirely by God's grace, not account, on account of any merit, M-E-R-I-T, that's big point D, in ourselves. Grudem spends a couple of, probably a page and a half talking about the Catholic view on this, uh, and he summarizes it this way. In order for justification to begin, one must first be baptized, and then as an adult, continue to have faith. Doesn't sound like an instantaneous act, does it? Sounds like a long, protracted act whereby works are part of that process. In Romans three twenty. 23 and 24 are really going to smack that in the head pretty hard. So, who's got Romans 3:20, 20, 23 and 24? Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So, the law just tells us we fell short. Okay, so let's go with 3:23 and 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So what did I so but, but I have to do something to get this justification. Like what what did I physically do? I mean I had to do, go like give or serve or be baptized or walk holy or like what did I have to do? Nothing. It's free. Free. There's the word free in there. Freely. Freely. Isn't that beautiful? Because I would think that the greatest gift in the history of the universe would cost something. You know what it cost? It cost Jesus. The Catholics are not the only ones that have. Oh, I, I say that a little louder. <laughs> Come on now. The Catholics are not the only ones that have that view. Uh, I would wholeheartedly agree. I would wholeheartedly agree. There are a lot of denominations that would say, you need this righteousness plus something that you go do. And the problem is... All our works are like filthy rags. The best that I can do is nastiness. That's it. So if, if the only thing that I can add to the equation is negative, how is that getting me toward righteousness? It doesn't. It just doesn't. And there's just gobs and gobs and gobs of verses that talk about this. So, so how, does, how does God justify us then? Well, then, point E, God justifies us through our faith in Christ. That's the way it works. How do you gain nutrients on a daily basis? You eat, and the food goes where? Unless you are a one year old, in your mouth, right? It goes right in your mouth. Is that the way God has designed things to work? Yep. Could there have been a different design? Yeah, you could put it in your ear, He could have made that work. I mean, like, yeah. Oh my goodness. Can you imagine? That's a really small little... I mean, that'd just be a mess. Thankful. This is good. This is just the way He designed the universe to work. That faith is the conduit to obtain this justification. So let's look at Galatians 2.16. Galatians 2.16. You got it, Tim? Yep. Nevertheless, Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law but through faith in Christ Jesus. Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. Does that sound ambiguous in any way, shape, or form? It's almost as if Paul said, you know, I'm going to write this four different ways, <laughs> just so in case anybody is really slow or you kind of zoned out when you're doing your daily Bible reading and you're like, oh, I wouldn't pay attention. Oh, there it is the third time. Oh, there is it is the fourth time. I mean, you read the whole thing again? It's a really long verse, too, right? is how you know it's written by Paul. But. Yeah. Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus, so that we may be justified in faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, since by the works of the law no flesh will be justified. So he says it three times, right? Yeah. yeah. Right, that works for me. Three times. In one verse? I think he's kind of passionate about this concept, right? So we are justified through our faith in Christ. That's the way this works. So, practical implications then. Your last couple blanks here. Have I skipped a blank? I feel like I skipped a blank at some point. Did I not? Okay. So the practical implications of the doctrine of justification by faith alone are very significant. First, this doctrine enables us to offer genuine hope to unbelievers who know they could never make themselves righteous before God. Because what am I going to do to stand before God to be righteous? There's not enough soap in the universe. There's not. There's just not. Salvation is a free gift to be received through faith alone. Then anyone who hears the gospel may hope that eternal life is freely offered and may be obtained. And second, this doctrine gives us confidence that God will never make us pay the penalty for sins that have been forgiven on Christ's merit. That bill has been paid. Now, I want to make sure I separate, and Gruden takes a lot of time to do this in the book. I want to make sure I separate the payment for the penalty of sin from the earthly consequences of the stupidity of the sin. Right? So there's a difference between I am forgiven in a theological sense and I have to pay back society for something that I have physically done. This does not write all human relationships and wipe the slate clean with mankind. This is a vertical relationship with God that we are talking about. Does this make sense? I want to make sure we're not going too far with the uh, you don't have to pay anything at all. So a couple questions there, and I don't take time to do these very often, but I want to walk through some of these real quick. Question number one, and, and this is this is typically my assumption that you're, Looking at these, these are great conversation starters. These are great ways to review some of the things. Are you confident that God has declared you not guilty forever in His sight? Because there, there is a lot in that question. There is a lot going on that I am placing my faith in Christ and I am no longer guilty. Um, what was the second one? I cut one of them out. No, I didn't. Okay, great. So if you think of yourself standing before God on the day of judgment, would you think that it is enough simply to have all your sins forgiven? Or would you also feel the need to have the righteousness of Christ reckoned to your account? I want as much in that account as possible. As much as possible. And walking in with a clean slate, well, okay. But, I mean, I want, I want it all. Like, everything. And when Christ puts that in our account, we've got it all. And then do you think the difference between the Roman Catholic and Protestant understanding of justification is an important one? What do you think? The right answer is yes. (laughs) Yes, it's incredibly important. It's incredibly important. And then have you ever wondered if God is still continuing to punish you from time to time for sins you have done in the past, even long ago? He's not doing that. This is where we go back and we beat Romans 8.1 into our brain over and over. I'm so thankful we have a physical copy of the Scriptures so I can stare at truth and be reminded, nope, I cannot trust my feelings because there is no condemnation. Yes. Isn't that beautiful? This is good. All right, so next week... The memory passage is Romans three twenty seven and twenty eight. Where is boasting then? So everything you can sum up everything that I've talked about this morning by saying, I didn't do anything, right? Where is boasting then? It is excluded by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds from the deeds of the law apart from the deeds of the law. All right, so the hymn today is Jesus, Thy Blood and Righteousness, uh, written originally by Count Nicholas Ludwig von... I'm not even going to have a child here. Zinzendorf? It's probably not the right accent in there, but it was a long time ago. And then John Wesley got a hold of it because he was apparently really good at German uh, and threw down these words. Jesus, thy blood and righteousness, my beauty are, my glorious dress, midst flaming worlds in these arrayed, With joy shall I lift up my head. Bold shall I stand in thy great day. For who ought to my charge shall lay? Fully absolved through these I am from sin and fear, from guilt and shame. When from the dust of death I rise to claim my mansion in the skies, even then this shall be all my plea. Jesus has lived, has died for me. Jesus, be endless praise to thee, whose boundless mercy hath for me For me, a full atonement paid, an everlasting ransom made. He got the word atonement in a poem. That's crazy good skills right there. (laughs) Oh, let the dead now hear thy voice. That's us. Now bid thy banished ones rejoice. Their beauty this, their glorious dress, the things that they are wearing, Jesus, thy blood and righteousness. The only thing that we will be wearing in front of God one day is the righteousness of Christ. And the beautiful thing is that that is is all that will count. It's a beautiful thing, the justification of the ungodly. That's how we get in, and Jesus is how we get out. So it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. All right, at the middle of your table is a piece of paper. It's got weekly update at the top, so if you'll take a second, lean in, engage, uh, write down any prayer requests that you have. Take a look at the ongoing prayer requests. Feel free to pray over those. Uh, make sure that your name is at the bottom of the attendance Thank you for coming to Sunday School today. Have a great one.